Good morning. Happy Sunday. Welcome to Life Point Westerville. I'm Mark Shields. I'm the campus life pastor here and also missions pastor here at the Westerville campus. And man, I cannot tell you how excited I am to be the one to kick off this series that we're about to dive into. I want to make you aware of just a few things. If you are a first-time guest or you've been here for a while but you haven't taken the advantage of this, take out your phone. Pull out your camera, and then there should be a QR code right in front of you on the back of the seat. Take a moment. That's going to take you to lpguest.com, and there you can find interactive notes for today's message. And uh, you can take notes, send them to yourself. You can also find ways to get connected to LifePoint Church, information that you might want to know about our church. And then also, um, there's a really cool thing where if you're a first-time guest, you can pick a local ministry, and we will make a donation in your honor today to that local ministry just for saying thank you for coming today. Uh, The other thing is we are in WOW, right? Wow. You're like, what is wow? Wow is wide open world. And we really believe that God has opened the world really wide for us to be a part of his work and his activity in other nations. We like to say it like this during the series. We say yes because God is faithful. We say yes because God is faithful. This, uh, this going is a part of one of our core values. We call it reaching priority. We need to reach out to the community, reach out to the nations, reach out with the gospel. We need to make it a priority in our lives. And so it's one of our core values. And that comes from the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 says this. Jesus said, Jesus said, I, no, Jesus said, what, what did you just say? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus said, go <laughs> and make disciples of all nations. Sorry, brain fart, sorry. Um, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus said, Go. Uh, and he said, I'm go- and I will go with you. Those are huge because I know if you're like me and you've heard many times, it's like, uh, uh, God, I, I think I might or maybe you want me to do this, but I don't know if that's the call or not. I, this is the call. The question is no longer if. The question is just where. Because Jesus has given us the call in his word. This is the last words he said before he left the earth. He said, Go. Go, you who know me, you are called by my name, you who know what I've done for you, you go, and I'm going with you wherever you go. And so just such a great thing that we get to talk about today. We get to talk about the call from Abraham. So would you guys join me in a word of prayer? Lord, we are so thankful that you have called us to go. Lord, we get to be a part of your activity. We get to be a part of the things that you are doing all over the world, and we get to hear about that today. Lord, you could do it with anybody, but for those of us who are willing to say yes, you'll do it with us. Thank you for that. 
Thank you for using us wherever we're at, using moms with, with lots of kiddos to, to go and serve their families, to go into their rooms and pray at night. Thank you for using our body to go and serve people out in the lobby and in the kids' area. And thank you for those people who are called to go to foreign countries and share your gospel. Lord, uh, I just pray that you would convict us of what you want us to do and where you want us to go today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so as we dive in today, there's a couple questions I really want you to consider, things that I want you to ponder while we are walking through the scripture today. And the first one is this, do you desire, does your desire to stay safe and comfortable override your ability to be obedient? Does your desire to stay safe and comfortable override your ability to be obedient? I know it often does for me. And then here's my next question. What is keeping you from going? What is that mountain in your way, that hill that you're afraid of, that thing that you're just nervous about, that readiness that you feel unprepared for? What is that that is keeping you from going? Because I believe God will answer those things in his word today. So the first point I want you guys to consider today is the call to go is often stepping away from what you know. The call to go is often stepping away from what you know. And so this comes from Genesis, the very first book in the Bible. And just to give you a little bit of context, you know how God created the heavens and the earth in the first few chapters. And then you've probably all heard of Noah and the ark in that moment, how kind of his creation went terribly wrong and, and he had to start over. Well, Abraham is the one that he decides to start over the people of God here on earth through. He decides to to start things through Abraham, and this is Abraham's call. And I'm not telling, we're gonna talk about it today, but this call is not comfortable in any way. He had to go through a lot during this call. So Genesis 12, one through five says this, and the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, from your people, and from your father's household to a land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went. I love that. So Abraham went. He knew the Lord, and he went. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, who would later become Sarah, and this says Abram, but he, we're going to refer to him as Abraham today because that is what the Lord changed his name to, and his nephew Lot and all their possessions, and they had accumulated as in the people that they had acquired in Haran, and he set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So this is Abraham's call. Right? And, I, and I want you to understand the significance because in the context of this, you got to understand where um, Abraham is being called from. Abraham is the firstborn, right? And so that meant he was going to get the inheritance from his father. His father was still alive. And so Abraham is leaving the area. And when your father is still alive and you go, generally that means that you are leaving your inheritance, right? And so that's a big part of Abraham's call. One of the things that is um, interesting as well is I want to show you on a map the land of Haran. 
So you can see it right up here. If you look at that, that is green and flat, okay? And that is great hill country for a farmer, for a cattle driver, for somebody who has sheep and all those things. And he is leaving this area on foot and camel and, and whatever, and he is going down to the land of Canaan. So this area right here would be the land of Canaan. And so what's significant about that is I'm going to show you another map, is that he's leaving that fertile, flat area, and he is going to this area right here, which is hill country, right? And so if you're a farmer, you're not super pumped about that right there, right? Uh, I, I do want you to look at this area right here, because that'll be significant as well. But so Abraham is leaving an area that is fertile, that he is well accustomed to, that has given him lots of prosperity, and he is going to an area which is hill country, right? So, so that's a big deal. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, he's, he's 75, right? You know, I mean, they did live a little bit longer at this time, but 75 years old, you're well-established, and you got lots of, you know, just people that know who you are and family, and you're, you're there, and he's leaving all that behind to, to go, right? And so that is a huge deal. Today, um, I feel like it's a perfect opportunity to tell you a person from our church who did the very same thing. Um, she didn't move her whole family, but God had worked in her heart and she decided to go for a week to a country where she felt like the Lord was leading her to, to a people that she did not speak the language that she was accustomed to, to an area she had never been before, a lot of travel because she felt like the Lord had called her to go there. And so Heather Thomas, I'm gonna have you come up and I think we have a little video of some of the pictures of, of your trip there and uh, while you're coming up here. So awesome. Um, Heather, I know you well. You know, we've been friends for a long time. And uh, I think if I'm the audience out here, and I'm, I'm like you, you know, you're, you're a mom of three amazing kiddos, and your husband's awesome too, Scott. And, uh, and then you just were praying, and God had orchestrated things, and, you know, you end up going to Malawi, right? Crazy. Is, I know, crazy, right? <laughs> so um, one of the questions I had for you is, uh, how were you stepping away from what you you know, yeah, and what were some of the fears like that you had kind of going in? Yeah, well, thanks very much for having me this morning. It's super exciting to get to share with you um, this life-changing trip. Um, let me give you a little bit of background. Um, <clears throat> I got to Malawi through Finish Line Ministries, and it's an organization that LifePoint has partnered with for a long time um, in giving and doing um, things with them. Finish Line um, is an organization that plants churches. Um, they plant churches in Malawi, Mozambique, and Zimbabwe, and they have been blessed to plant over 300 churches. The interesting piece about that is they've determined that of the people that attend those 330 churches, 60% of them are women. And so Finish Line was made aware that they needed to do something to minister, to empower, to uplift the women that are there. And thus became an opportunity to present a women's conference um, at some of these churches. Now, this trip was just like Abraham. The vision was given. 
and then it took a long time to see it through fruition. Um, we began thinking about it, wondering the possibilities before COVID to give you a little bit of time frame. So it had been brewing and stewing for a while. <clears throat> Malawi is a hard country to get to. It takes a really long time. Um, as far as what I know, I knew I was, it was going to take a long time. Mm. I knew they didn't speak English. I was going to have to share my story through a translator. I knew I looked a lot different than them. I knew I couldn't eat the food. I knew we were going to have to drink bottled water. There's a lot of things I knew, but what I didn't know was, were they going to understand my story? Mm. Was my testimony going to speak to them? Were they not just going to identify their wounding, but were they going to find healing in our words? And so that was what brought the most fear to me, Mm. was how do I make my story relatable? And we had to speak in a way that was much more animated. The literacy rate there is very low. They don't have written Bibles, so they rely on word of mouth. They rely on Bible verses and stories being told uh, in person. And so that was super important. Therefore, we had uh, used visuals a lot in our stories. This is a cross that I used to dis- uh, dis- discuss forgiveness. Um, so it was very different. And again, all through a translator. Imagine sitting in front of 500 people, no microphones, um, and having a translator there and shouting uh, wow. to people. Wow. I can't, I can't even imagine. I know you had told me, because when you were talking about the story, you had said that some of the ladies like, had traveled really far. They like, did. Was, yeah, tell yeah. me about that. So imagine coming up with an event for here in Westerville, but you have no way to communicate that. We have no cell phones. We have no emails in Malawi. There's no way. The only way the women find out about it, that's through word of mouth. And it was brought to our attention um, as we saw women leaving in these huge cargo trucks that women had come from upwards of six hours away. They had hired drivers um, to bring them just for this event. They had traveled for days and walked many long hours, waited wow. um, just to be there to hear the missionaries speak about Jesus. So, so awesome. Um, so while you were there, right, you, you kind of explained like, you know, what was expected, what was unexpected, what, some of your fears and things like that. So my question that, you know, I'd like to know, and I'm sure everybody wanted to know is once you were there, like what, what did you see God do? Like what kind of blew your mind? Yeah. Um, I'd probably say three things really come to mind. It's hard to narrow it down to just one, but as we prepared our testimonies, we were told that these women would want us to be real. Like, don't sugarcoat things, just say it like it is. And so the topics that we covered in our testimonies and Bible teaching were on alcoholism, on abortion, on suicide, on uh, marriage, on parenting, some really heavy, heavy struggles. Um, And we, in America, would be taken aback to talk that boldly um, as we did in, in Malawi. But we also built into our times some opportunity for the women to ask questions and uh, have some answers. So after our presentations, um, women would stand up and ask questions. And just to give you an example of their willingness to be vulnerable, um, I can remember clear as day. It was our second day. Uh, We were in a gathering of over 500 women under this amazing, ginormous tree, the biggest tree I've ever seen, um, in the shade. And a woman over my right shoulder stood up. She had on a white hat and a brown shirt and a white skirt, and she gave her story in her Chichawa language that was being translated, and you could see the responses of the women that could understand her, um, and their body language was kind of like, oh, what, how's this going to go? And you could hear some gasps, and then the translator began letting us know what her question was, and she had asked, I need to know if I can get to heaven because I've had an abortion. 
And that just struck me. And Amy, one of the girls on our team, has a passion for um, supporting women in abortion recovery. So she stood up and walked out to the crowd of 500 women and embraced this woman and prayed for her right there and assured her, yes, that she could get to heaven. Um, amazing time. I'd say another thing, I'll speak to the men of church. Um, the men of the churches and the villages that we visited, of course, did the traditional setup for the event. Oftentimes, you guys get the assignment of setting up the chairs and making sure everything's good. But these particular men set up um, what we would call lean-tos or shelters for us as the missionaries to provide shade for us. Uh, and then as the event began, I noticed that the men were strategically placing themselves around the perimeter of the area we were. And I asked um, some of the overseers of the church, what, what were they doing? And they said, these men are here to protect you. They will be here all day and make sure you ladies are safe. Mm. And so those men sat in the hot sun protecting us for the whole day. Wow. Mm. Studs. Love that. <laughs> uh, so. And I probably say the last thing, Mark, yes, that yeah. is just amazing is our hope was that we would get to minister to roughly seven to 900 women. We'd never done this before. We had no idea. Again, word of mouth, first time, no idea. Well, the Lord was good. And mm. the Lord, the Holy Spirit came. Uh, we had over 1,400 women attend. And there were 240 women who prayed to receive Christ. And so wow. you talk about seeing the spirit move. You talk about just being, yeah, it left us breathless. Oh, praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Heather, You're for welcome. sharing that with us. Let's, let's give Heather a hand. Man, Heather, I, I know you would agree with me uh, with this, and and I think one of the things that you kind of think about when you hear a story like that, you imagine, you know, that surely that's somebody else. Surely that's like Heather. That's not me. Um, but that very well could be you sitting in your seat right now. Uh, through LifePoint, there's a lot of opportunities, and one thing I want to tell you is that, um, you know, it's not, when I say... Being obedient is not about your ability. It's all about God's ability, okay? So being obedient to say yes. When you say yes, it has nothing to do with your ability. It has everything to do with his ability and your availability, right? And a lot of times, for whatever reason, we don't make ourselves available. But God has a plan, and he wants to use you in your weaknesses, to do amazing, amazing things, just like Heather did, and she got to be a part of. Wow, thank you so much for sharing, Heather. That's such good stuff. And, and that leads into our next point. The next point I want to talk with you about is the easy life stunts our ability to grow, but his faithfulness in the hard times prepares us to go. The easy life stunts our ability to grow, but his faithfulness in the hard times prepares us to go. And so I'll be in Genesis 13, verses 8 through 10, in just a second, so you can turn there. But just so that you know, Abraham is in the hill country, and his family is growing, and his herds are growing, and Lot, his nephew is also in the hill country. His family is growing, his herds are growing, and there ends up being a little bit of predicament here. And so in Genesis 13, uh, verses 8 through 10, I want you to Turn there and I will read. 
Then Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will take the right. If you take the right hand, then I will take the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw the Jordan Valley and it was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. So Lot looks up, he sees what is pleasing to his eyes, and he just goes. Just, he just goes. See, what's, what's significant about this moment is not like Lot is being disobedient. Uh, you know, you don't read that here in scripture, but I think what is not said in this scripture says more about Lot's decision than a lot of things because Abraham would have been the patriarch of the family. And all throughout scripture, when the patriarch throws out an opportunity like that, throws out such a gracious giving thing, generally the person below that person or a person just out of respect would say, oh no, sir, surely Abraham, you have followed the Lord. You have gone these places and, and you should make that choice, not me. It, Lot doesn't do that, right? It doesn't say in the scripture that Lot considered Abraham and his family in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't say that Lot prayed and asked the Lord, hey, what would you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? It just says he saw what was pleasing to his eyes, and he went. And like that map that I showed you before, that low area, that was the lowlands, the, the fertile area. That was the valley, you know, down at the bottom, the Jordan Valley. And you know what? It was very fertile and it was flat and it was great to be a herdsman and be in that area. The problem for Lot is, is that that was the land that everybody saw as the same place and everybody went there. And so there were tons of people there, rival kings fighting over the land. And sure enough, Lot gets there and he finds himself being captured him, his whole family and everything he has owned taken into captivity, right? So what he sees with his eyes, he just goes for, and all of a sudden he finds himself in, 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 a, in a bit of a pickle. Abraham hears about what has happened, and he gets 318 guys, and he says, guys, Lot, we, we have to go get him. And he gets these guys ready, and they go, they leave the hill country, they go into the valley, they fight at night, and they rescue Lot, his whole family, and everything he owns. What an amazing just act of obedience for Abraham. He goes and he saves Lot. He goes into the valley and saves Lot. That's, that's a huge, huge deal. Because one of the things that I think for you and I is is that we can be a lot like Lot, right? We can be in those places that where we see seems attractive to us. We don't consider the people around us. We don't consider, you know, God's desire for us. We just see what we want and we go after it, right? We, we go and we get what seems easy. I mean, who here plays lottery? right? You're hoping, right? You want just something that's prosperous. You want something that's just easy, right? But the Lord has not called us to things that are easy. He has often called us to things that are very, very hard. 
So what if, my question for you is, what if that thing that you're nervous about, what if that thing that God has called you to at some point in your life, what if that, that, that wrestling that you have experienced is a part of God's call, right? What if that nervousness, what if that not readiness, what if that with all those things that you kind of try to push the Lord away, what if that's the Holy Spirit calling you? And he's calling you not because of your ability, He's calling you not because of what you know. He's calling you not because of what you're prepared for. He's calling you not because of what you're good at. He's calling you because he's faithful. And he knows if you go into a place you're not ready for, guess what you'll have to do when you get there? You'll have to depend on him. There will be no other way unless you depend on him. And I'm telling you what, when you step into a place where you are done with you, and you have to trust in God, that's when he's at his best and you get to see him. I totally believe that the hard times prepare us to go and we have to put our yes on the table even though that struggle is real and it's very, very hard. So one of the things that Abraham's obedience finds him into is, is really significant. This is the next part in scripture. So if you want, you can turn to Genesis 15 and I'll start there in just a second. But Abraham, in his obedience, he ends up, you know, going from a valley area to hill country, right? Okay, God, I'm following you, putting my trust in you. And then now it's a lot harder for me to live and to grow and to do all these things, okay? And then not only that, but he finds himself in a battle. He finds himself in a battle against rival kings for his own family's safety. And so he's literally risking his life to save his family. When he said, yes, trust me, this was, a not, this was not part of his thought process. He didn't think that things were going to go this way. And so he becomes like, obviously like wondering like, hey, Lord, I'm here. Like, what, what's next? And so this is where we come to in Genesis 15, one through two. Sometime later, Abraham had a vision. The Lord said to him, Abraham, do not be afraid. I am like a shield to you. I am your great reward. But Abraham said, Lord and King, what can you give me? I still don't have any children. My servant Eleazar comes from Damascus. When I die, he will get everything I own. So what are you what are you doing, Lord? I don't understand exactly. And it leads us to our last point is stop saying no, just go. Stop saying no, just go. This moment with Abraham, he's questioning, like, was this a good decision or not? What, was this what I was supposed to do? And then in verses five through six, it says, he took him outside Look up, and he said to Abraham, look up at the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So this moment happens, right? And all of a sudden, Abraham is wondering what's going to happen, and then God is faithful. I really I encourage you to look in the scriptures on your own because what you are gonna find is that in this moment, he said, yes, I am going to start things through you. I am going to make you a great nation. I am going to give you a son. 
And Abraham, when he got his son, oh my gosh, he loved, loved, loved his son. The father, the father just loved the son. And it reminds me of the song, right, that we all learned. Maybe uh, if you grew up in VBS, it kind of goes like this. Father Abraham, let me hear you, had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. See, see, God had this plan. See, God had this plan to use Abraham as a foreshadowing of what he would one day do because Abraham had his son, and life came. Life, new life started through his son, and his people would spread out throughout the entire world, you and me. And it was all foreshadowing because God the Father would leave the hill country of heaven And he would go into the valley that you and I live in here on earth. And he would send his son. He would come down from the mountain, go to the valley, meet us where we are. There's no other God like this. No other God like this. In every other religion on earth, you have got to work your way to him. The Lord knew that we were sinful. He knew we were a lot, you know. And He knew that the only way was going to be through his son. So he sent his son on the cross, shed his blood for you and for me to redeem us all, to start a new life, a life that I hope you all don't miss because it is so, so good. Stop saying no. Just, just go. So I want to finish with this. I, I got the opportunity to go. And you would think being a pastor that like I would be used to going all the time, but I'm just a sinful man like anybody else. And I got the call from Pastor Kyle and he said, hey, we thought this trip was full, but we need another person to go with us to Nepal. And I said, oh, Nepal, <laughs> sweet. Okay, that's on the other side of the world right? How long's the travel for that? Yeah, it's about 31 hours. Okay, sweet. 31 hours in the plane. All those things started to play in. And I'm telling you what, I did not want to leave my family. We had a busy summer. I was super nervous and I prayed about it. And I was just like, I think I need to go. And I talked with my wife and I was waiting for the like, no, you don't have to. We've got things to do this summer. You can't do it. I, I didn't get that. I got the, sorry, I didn't get that. I got the, I think you might need to go. And so I went. And we went to one of the remote, most remote areas, I, I mean, by far that I've ever been to in the world. Don't, people don't even have running water there. And I'm telling you, the depth of despair that I witnessed is like nothing I've ever seen before. The people there, 89% Hindu. They believe in thousands of gods. They have no clue. Some of the things that I watched in worship were so rough, broke my heart. 9% Buddhist. They're looking for a way. They're looking for peace. They, they have no peace. I've witnessed it. 1% Christian. 1% Christian. Many of the people that we went to there while we were there, 
Uh, when we would go to these villages, we would give these things called compassion kits. And these p- compassion kits were hygiene kits that they did not have very many resources and they were very thankful to receive. And while we were there with the compassion kits, we, that's a, a, a village, that we, our first village that we spoke to. And while we were there, we would say, hey, you know, this is really important. Having clean hands is really, really important for your hygiene. Let me tell you how to have a clean heart. And then we would share about Jesus Christ. And that village, that picture that you just saw, three people gave their lives to Christ that first day while we were there. Before I even got to go to the hotel, I get to the hotel, I open up the door, and then I look out and I see this. Those are the Mokalu Mountains. I saw the fifth highest mountain peak in the world. That, that mountain peak was blocking the view of Everest. And all I could think about was Isaiah 40, the call for John the Baptist when he says, you know, the valleys will be raised up and the mountains will be made low to prepare the way for the Lord. Why am I here? Do I get to be a part of preparing the way for the Lord? (laughs) And... This is the craziest thing. The next day, we had to go to the most remote villages I had had ever seen. We could only get there by four by four, and we had to go into a valley, and just so happens that our translator, Probin, tells us that this valley is the lowest valley on earth, Tumbling Tar, Nepal. You can Google it if you want to. The lowest valley on earth. So we are looking up at the fifth highest mountain peak in the world, and we are going to the lowest valley on earth to share the gospel. And we had to get there by four by four vehicle. I thought for sure, I had prayed that morning when I was up and I was looking at those mountains and I was praying. I was like, Lord, you had three on the first day, three on the second day. Give us 10. Give us 10 today. I want to see 10 people come to know you. Surely these people have not heard of you before. You're going to reap a harvest. I'm ready for it. I want to pray big things. I prayed. We went with two villages that day, shared the gospel with well over 100 people, got to pray in families' homes, got to pray over a little girl, and I will never forget her eyes when I got to pray over her. Nobody accepted Christ. And I thought, I knew it wasn't him. So it had to be me. I was like, Lord, what did I do? Is my heart not right? I want to pray in faith. I wanted to see 10. (laughs) I'm sharing the gospel for the first time and I'm down. Well, it just so happens that we're finishing up and we have to go back to the hotel and we go to the lowest valley on earth to cross a river uh, with our four by four vehicles and there's a ferry there and while we're there, there's a tea shop and so we go to the tea shop and we order tea and I'm talking with one of my friends from the the villages and, and then all of a sudden we got one extra tea. So my translator, Probin, just kind of has an extra tea and he just walks up to this random guy and says, hey, you want tea? Like we ordered too many. And the guy says, yes. And then he got, the guy says, hey, well, why are you guys here? Like, you know, we are, you know, white people. And actually I was like super tall there. It was kind of cool. Felt like an NBA player. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and they were like, why are you guys all here? And he said, you know, well, the, we're from the United States and they have come here to talk about Jesus. Have you ever heard of Jesus? And he says, Yes. of people, what are the chances? He says, yes. He says, actually, my wife is a believer, and I grew up Hindu, and uh, I've been to church before, and I've 
I've heard about this Jesus, but me and my wife are always in conflict with each other. Things are hard in our family, and her faith is not mine, and so there's a struggle. And and then Robin, our translator, he, he had translated my testimony twice at this point while we were at the villages. And he goes, Mark, come here, come here. And he goes, hey, this guy is Santa. He was just telling me about him and his wife. And uh, if you look, there's a picture there of Santa, and there's the teacup right there in front of him. And he said, this guy is having problems with his wife. I remembered your testimony. You need to share your testimony with this guy. So I share my testimony. And I was like, Santa, I'm just, I'm a mess, man. (laughs) Apart from the Lord, I am a total mess. And I said, and me and my wife, we were living for everything we wanted and what we saw. Whatever we saw, that was what we were shooting for, and that was what we did. Whatever we liked, that was what we went for. And I said, we went to a conference one night, and this guy gave his testimony. And every word that he said, for whatever reason, I knew it was for us. And my wife knew it was for her. And we repented and we gave our lives to Christ. And I said, Santa, it changed everything. I'm in tears at this point. You know, you guys know me. And, and, and Santa, he says, I know the Lord sent you here. I want to give my life to the Lord. And I said, well, Santa, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. But we're going to go through Romans, Romans 10 together. And so Provin helped me go through Romans 10 with Santa. And Santa confessed that he was a sinner. And he confessed that he needed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he said, I believe that God raised him from the dead. And I'm telling you right there, Santa was saved. And I knew it and he knew it. I didn't want to leave. I just, I gave him a hug I didn't want to leave because I knew that I had traveled. The Lord had had me travel for 31 hours across the other side of the world just to meet Santa. Just because he loved Santa. That was it. I got to be his invitation. A human example, flesh and blood of who he is just for a moment. He gave his life to the Lord. I got to be his invitation. I'm telling you, you have to go. Stop saying no. Just go. Wherever he would have you go, you go. You go. When you get there, you will see him work in a way where you've never seen him before. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. Let's pray. God, you're so good. Lord, if there's anybody here who's had that invitation or maybe you've been working on their hearts right now through your word, through this moment where you know, they know that you're asking them to become a part of the kingdom, they can do just what I talked about in Romans 10, verses 9 through 10, where it says you can just confess that you are a sinner and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then you just say, I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And it says that if you do that, you are saved. You're his. It's just that hard. And it's also just that easy. 
Thank you for saving us, Lord Jesus. Thank you for pursuing us like you do. And then I know, Father, that there are people that know you well, and you have called them. You have given them an invitation to go. And I don't know if that's just going into their kids' rooms tonight and praying with them. I don't know if that's just going into the lobby and serving in Connections or in LifePoint Kids in the next generation. I don't know if that's going to another country. But, Lord, you do. And I pray you would convict them right now. And you would let them know where you want them to go. And I pray that they would say yes. Such a blessing to say yes. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.